We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. It is all about him, but how easily we get distracted from the truth of that. Because we tend to count this temporal life as being life. And things move into our lives that crowd our ability to enjoy this life. That threaten the long-term viability of this life. And if the enemy can steal anything from you, he will steal your faith through fear. But one thing that will cause fear to run and flee from from your thinking is knowing it's all about him. If I know it's all about him, and he's the one who holds my life and holds my future and holds my mistakes and holds my successes and holds the truth of my very being. What have I to fear? Today our text will be James chapter 4 verses 7 through 10. And uh, this little section of James has turned more people away from James and a lot of them. Uh, It's easily misunderstood. In the beginning of chapter 4, James confronts the Hebrew Christians concerning their love of the world. He calls them adulteresses. You know, many of us have come from a Baptist background, and if you have, then you would know that he's talking about them backsliders. Y'all remember that? Backsliders? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what he's talking about. He says in verse 4, he says, You adulteresses, you disloyal sinners, flirting with the world and breaking your vow to God. Do you not know that being the world's friend that is loving the things of this world is being God's enemy? So whoever chooses to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. You know, loving the things of this world, being a friend of this world, comes to us very subtly. And, you know, we don't have to run after the things of the world just to embrace the normality, the day-to-day living of this world. The Amplified calls it a flirtation. 
And it means they are inviting the world's corruption. They are soliciting the comforts and pleasures of the world. More than that, they are including the appetites of the flesh and the pleasures of the flesh. Now, before we begin to look at them and say, wow, those Hebrews were something else. Those Hebrew Christians, they were terrible. How could they do that? Well, remember, we need to understand that this is a slow slide and an easy one to get caught in. This flirtation is not a rush to sin. It is a slow slide that makes the little compromises, the slight distractions, the occasional compromise seem normal and tolerable. The problem is not the flirtation with sin that takes place in the world. The problem is what it reveals concerning your relationship with the Lord. Why are you seeking after those things? Why are those things even attractive to you? Why do you allow yourself to be distracted by those things? You see, they had grown accustomed to the darkness and the wickedness that surrounded them. And I'm afraid much of Christendom has done the same thing. I hear a lot of grieving over what the future may hold, but the majority of that grieving is based in their loss, their potential loss. What the world had to offer them at one time, the world may not offer them in the future. That's where their grieving is. And let me ask you, has God changed? Has his plan towards you changed? Has his heart towards you changed? No. Do you think you could change it? Can the government change it? Can sickness change it? Nothing changes the heart of God, the plan that he established for you before the foundations of the world were formed. His grace concerning you meets you in every moment. It attends every step. His mercy towards you is abiding with you. Now James is writing to a very wide and geographically diverse audience. They called them the Jews of the dispersion, which were scattered and had formed communities in Egypt, Syria, throughout Asia Minor. And these Jews had joined themselves to large cities, idolatrous cultures. And in some cases, there were large populations of Jews in these foreign cities that had outgrown the population of Palestine. Now, obviously, the majority of these Jews were not Christian Jews. They were Orthodox Jews. But in those cities, the potential for evangelism by the Christian Jews was great and existed, obviously. But what also existed was the greatest potential of compromise and carnality. Some expositors believe that James is specifically addressing unbelievers in this portion of the letter, but the majority of them believe he is addressing carnal Christians, backsliders. I believe he is addressing believers, but I believe there is also application for both groups. The issue of drifting into carnality and compromise with the world may seem minor to believers who have grown comfortable with living alongside of the world. It may seem like a small matter to adopt the customs and routines of the culture. 
When we become comfortable with the world, we have become comfortable with sin, and it is an adulterous flirtation. Well, in reality, you're going to hear me say this quite a few times tonight, it is an alienation of the soul to God. That's what carnality is. It is an alienation of the soul to God. That's what was going on. So the Spirit of God, through the pen of James, addresses this head on. And in this, we have to think about the enemies of faith and that that were coming against them. That would be worldliness, love for pleasure, making comfort the goal, apathy and lethargy towards the things of God, justifying sins such as bitterness, resentment, criticisms, judgment, fear, doubt, and fantasy. This is only to name a few that may reside in the soul and lead to perpetually living according to the flesh. All of them are inherent weaknesses of the flesh. And if they have become tolerated by you, then you have an alienated soul that is idolatrous and being led by the enemy's voice. There's no middle ground. When we tolerate sin or worldliness in the soul, we are alienating our soul from the truth. That doesn't make us non-Christians. It doesn't change our identity. But it definitely steals a perspective. It steals the reality of the truth within. It steals the, the realization and revelation of God in the moment, in every moment. It is blinding. It is deafening. Because what is the soul? The mind, the will, and the emotions. And you're going to see James deal with this over and over again. Now, he, he uses the word heart, but he refers to the soul. He's going to talk about being double-minded, which is, in the Hebrew, is two-souled. A split. A division, a soul that is divided in its allegiance. And that's really, when you think about it, is what we do, what we deal with when we walk into carnality. We have this momentum, this pull upon us in the truth of who we are. At the center of our being, in our union with Christ, there is this desire, there's this appetite to hold to truth. The soul was literally made to turn its face towards the truth and express the presence and the reality of our kinship to Christ, of our belonging to God, our identity. But the enemy's work in us, his desire for us is to turn our focus from the truth within to the lie without, to the distortion without, to the corruption without. And when he's talking about friendship with the world, that's what he's talking about. Now, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Let's say you go to a store for the first time. You go there out of necessity. You have to go there. Pretty soon the drive over there, as you go again, because you've been there before, seems a little shorter. And now you know what's on every aisle. And in fact, you know the girl at the counter, 
And it seems very familiar to you. There is a friendship that struck up. A familiarity that struck up. And it doesn't seem like it's all that big a deal. Well, the same thing happens with us when we embrace a friendship with the world. It is a slow slide. And everything without will endorse it, will embrace it, will will give it substance for you. Certainly the media. Certainly the things that we watch. Certainly the people around us. The culture. This is what they were dealing with. So... To the believer, all of these things are alien to our identity. They're not a product of our new heart. They may dirty our hands, they may grieve or injure us, but they will not change who we are. And as we begin our study, I call upon you to call upon the Spirit of God to search your souls. Lift your soul before the Lord. Let the Spirit of God search it so that you can purify, cleanse. Did you know that you can purify and cleanse your soul? You can. And that is the beginning of doing away with everything that obscures your view of who God is. That is the place where we, we often refer to it as the place of revival. Where you bring your mind, will, and emotions into conformity to the truth of who you are. You humble yourself before the Lord. You yield your soul to him. And you say, Father, I want for me what you want. My desire is unto you. It doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter where your emotions are. It doesn't matter what your circumstances are. He is your God and you've been made for him. And the truth of your heart is that you desire him above all else. So be honest. Father, I desire you above all else. I want to draw close to who you are. I want your presence and life to have preeminence in my mind, will, and emotions. Let the Spirit of God bring purity and cleanliness to my soul. James chapter 4, verses 7 through 10. So submit to the authority of God. Resist the devil. Stand firm against him and he will flee from you. Come close to God with a contrite heart, and he will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your unfaithful hearts, you double-minded people. Be miserable, and grieve, and weep over your sin. Let your foolish laughter be turned to mourning, and your reckless joy to gloom. Humble yourselves with an attitude of repentance and insignificance in the presence of the Lord. And he will exalt you. He will lift you up. He will give you purpose. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Now we began with a brief overview of of what the context is and what the Spirit of God is addressing in the Hebrew Christians. And James is telling these believers what they must do. He's telling them what they must do to return to walking in the Spirit. Now, I want you to understand something as we read this. These are commands. 
They are aortus imperative. They are not equivocation. They're not think about it. They're not meditate on it. They're not, you know, consider it. They are commands. You are in a bad place. You're in a hard place. You have been embraced by the world and you have returned the embrace and it has cost you the corruption of your souls. I am commanding you. This is what you do and you do it now. Don't let another moment go by. This is how James is handling this. This is how the Spirit of God is handling this. Again, their commands are not suggestions. And he calls for repentant, a repentant response immediately. They're not for you to sit and think about. These commands are the seed of the word of the Spirit to those who desire to walk in the fullness of truth. Unfortunately, many will hear the word, and, but the worries and distractions of the world and the deceitfulness and the superficial pleasures and delight of riches will choke the word and it will yield no fruit in their living. That's in Matthew chapter 13. And he's talking in that, Jesus is speaking in that parable concerning their salvation. I am speaking concerning, James is speaking concerning, the Spirit of God is speaking concerning the salvation of your soul. Mind, will, and emotion. That's what he's talking about. So submit to the authority of God. Resist the devil. Stand firm against him and he will flee from you. Now James begins with the command, submit. That's the Greek word, hupatasso. And it means to subject yourself, to arrange under, to subordinate and it was a military command to order the troops under the command of, of a leader. And it means more than just a passively waiting for an order to move. It is a call to move, to literally bring yourself in alignment with the will of that commander. It is a surrender of absolute obedience. That's what we talked about at the very beginning. Father... I have all kinds of ideas about my life. I have all kinds of expectations and dreams. I have all kinds of plans that are stored in my soul. I have disappointments. I have bitterness. I have anger. I have a selfishness. I have, I have things I want for myself as a Christian. I have things I want for myself as a father. I have things that I want for myself as a pastor. I have all kinds of things in that soul. But Lord, I yield that baggage. I submit my my soul unto you. And I say, Father, thy will be done. Thy will be done. There's not a single dream. There's not a single ambition. There is not a single hope that I want to hold to that does not include you at the very center and your will to guide me in. Thy will be done. I don't have to ask him to arrange my life. I arrange my soul under him. And so many of us, we get before him in prayer. You know, Lord, I could be a better Christian. I could be more devoted if I weren't distracted with this. If I didn't have this in my life. Listen, you have no idea what it means to be a better Christian. Have you figured that out? You don't. I don't. Because you're living to the potential that God created you for. That's it. 
You don't know what that is. You don't know how long it'll last. Why don't you surrender yourself to it and let God bring you along? And you know what? He is bringing you along. The big problem is your perception. Submit yourself. It, it means more than just passively waiting for him to speak to you. It's a surrender of absolute obedience. First Peter chapter 2, verse 21. He writes, For as a believer, you have been called for this purpose, since Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you may follow in his footsteps. Arrange your life under him. It's hupatasso again. Our example in submission is Jesus, who taught us to pray. And what did he teach us to pray in Luke twenty-two forty-two? Not my will... But thy will be done. This is a command to submit that you may move into alignment for obedience. This obedience is a work of the Spirit of God. It's calling you to align your soul to receive and participate in the will of God. And do you see that? The aligning of the soul. I cannot get my mind, will, and emotion in line, but I can yield them. And I can make sure that my mind, will, and emotion is constantly bathed in truth. You know, you don't eat garbage and expect to have good health, do you? I don't expose myself to things that I know are going to co-op and corrupt my vision of God. And you know what will do that more than anything? The mirror. I'm not talking about vanity. I'm talking about identity according to the flesh. That's what I'm talking about. Our example is Jesus who humbled himself, submitted himself to the will of God, to the work of God, to the, to the communication of God's desire for him through the Spirit of God. He abided with the Spirit of God. He walked with the Spirit of God. Here's the thing. He came out of the triune collective. He came down here and literally humbled himself. And that means separated himself to a degree in his humanity from the triune position. And now he walks by abdicating his will and everything about himself to the Spirit of God. He connects through the Spirit of God to the Father. And he says, I don't do anything except that God leads me to do it. I don't say anything unless God puts the words in my mouth. I don't speak of myself. I speak as I am spoken to. That's Jesus operating in the exact role that he left in heaven in the triune capacity of being in union with the Father's will. This command to submit that you may move in alignment for obedience. And obedience is a work of the Spirit. It's a calling to align your soul to receive and participate in the will of God. First Thessalonians 5.24 Faithful is he who is calling you to himself and utterly trustworthy, and he will do it. Fulfill his call by hallowing and keeping you. This is not a one-time exercise. It is a discipline to submit your soul at every prompting, at every temptation, in every challenge. It is a ready recognition that your life is not your own to navigate as you think best. As I have mentioned before, 
We get all caught up in the daily of living life in these bodies. That is living according to the flesh. And guess what? The lost do the exact same thing. Their routines are not much different. The difference is they are slaves to their appetites and perceptions. We are to live as yielded vessels made unto honor. Used as sacred vessels before the altar of the Lord. Every moment is to be an exercise of worship. We don't have the luxury of just drifting along in the current of this world. We're actually called to swim against the tide. We are to submit ourselves to the authority of God. We are to yield to his wisdom. See obedience as an opportunity to know his perfect love towards us. And this requires a supernatural strength. The strength, the spiritual strength that empowers us for submission and obedience. It's you stepping out and and yielding all that you are. And the Spirit of God absolutely empowering you to go forward in all that God has planned you to go through. And, And this is the neat thing about it, guys. That when you are walking by the Spirit... The plan of God becomes animated, alive, real. Because you're no longer just in the plan of God. You're participating in the plan of God. And you say, I don't know how that works. You do. You do know how that works. In every moment that you recognize him and you go forward, in the moments of faith where you say, I don't know what I'm doing, I don't know where I'm going, but you do, I'm yielded to you, I'm going forward. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road and Blanco Woods just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006